I was in an airport and when I say I was bawling crying people were like are you okay I was crying so hard people might have thought someone passed but it was like tears of joy and when I started that journey if I'm being completely honest it was a very singular thought it was very much tunnel vision me on that network right and then the show was airing and then the emails start coming in the social media the press the feedback was oh my gosh you look like me Hello, everybody. My name is Jackie Gifford, and I am the editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure Magazine, and you are listening to our Let's Go Together podcast. So your host of Let's Go Together is Kelly Edwards. She has been our pilot and travel guide throughout the season, and now we've got a little treat for you because it's time to get to know Kelly a little better. Her history as a pilot, a TV host, an exploration expert, and Black female solo traveler. And today she's going to share why inclusivity in travel is so important. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you so much, Jackie, for asking and yourself. You know what? Every day I just am very grateful that my family is healthy, I'm healthy, and I also am using this as a time to reach out to people, make new friends, and also celebrate what we love about the travel industry, which is connection. And the fact of the matter is the travel industry is suffering right now. We know a lot of people who are going through hard times, but I think what's really brilliant about the podcast and the work that you're doing is, and we're doing as a brand at Travel and Leisure, is we're shining a light on some of the untold stories and really amplifying what's beautiful about our industry. So I think today, The point of this episode is really to get to know you and your story because you have one of the most fascinating stories out there. So I just want to start by sort of setting the scene. So you grew up on the south side of Chicago, and then you moved to California as a young child. So tell the audience a little bit about that and how that really shaped you as a traveler. Yes, I would say that that was the most memorable trip of my life. And definitely a foundation of me really getting to see the various landscapes and different types of people who are truly in this world. And it was on a three-day trip from Chicago to California at a very young age. And I remember being on this Greyhound bus and seeing the desert landscape and the mountains. Coming from the south side of Chicago, it's city blocks. It's, you know, high rises if you go downtown. It's not a lot of varying different things to look at when you think about it. It's very much a metropolitan city area. And so I remember seeing mountains for the first time. And I look at my mom and I said, oh, mom, look, those are buried brontosauruses. Because of the hump on their back, I thought that they were buried dinosaurs. I love that story. I love that. (laughs) And my mom was like, no, Kelly, those are called mountains. And I was like, wow. Like they were just majestic to me. And I just equated their size as a young child to the biggest thing that I knew, which was a dinosaur. And so that was 
really the start of like a lot of the curiosity I had about the world going from a city landscape to literally over three days, seeing the landscape of America, which is truly diverse. And it's funny because, you know, Let's Go Together celebrates diversity in travel. And I had no idea that the diversity of the landscapes would open up my eyes to learning about more of the people who also make up that land that I was passing through. Yeah, of course. I think one of the interesting things about the times we're living in right now is we're sort of learning to appreciate the beauty in our own backyard. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I am a person who loves to explore very remote, far off the beaten path places. And it has occurred to me, you know, this year that there are so many places that I have yet to be and to visit in my own country. And I felt kind of bad about that. You know, growing up, taking road trips with my family and stuff, that was very instrumental in contributing to my love for travel. But as an adult, the first time I could get on a plane, I was like, out of here. And I wanted (laughs) as far and as wide as I could go, not realizing until recently, like, holy smokes, there are so many national parks I haven't been to. There's still a plethora of states I haven't visited. And this is the time to do so. So I'm loving the fact that road trips have been in a huge uptick. Everyone is exploring their own backyard. And so I've definitely been taking advantage of that. I just came back from Northern California. I was in Utah, Colorado, Arizona. The adventure's are still coming and they're all stateside. So it's been kind of, uh, even though the curse of the pandemic, but the blessing of being able to connect being home in my own country. As travelers, the feeling of hopping on a plane and flying to a remote destination can be one of the most freeing feelings in the world. But as a pilot flying solo, leaving the ground with the controls at your fingertips is an entirely different level of freedom. I asked Kelly what made her make the brave decision to become a pilot. I'm using this as a time to really, like you said, just think about the beauty in our own backyard, what's amazing about our country. And, you know, here in New York, I've had the chance to go to places that are fairly close to New York City and just by car that I probably would have overlooked in other times. So I think to your point, it is really important that we celebrate what we have here and just honor that. So I can't wait to hear more about your Utah trip. We're going to get to that later. (laughs) But I also just want to just brag about you for a second, because you (laughs) are a pilot, which is something that I, you know, I just would love to be a pilot, learn how to fly a plane. I bet many of the people listening to the podcast would love to take to the skies. How did you go from that young girl moving from Chicago to California to then getting your pilot's license? And talk to me about the thrill of actually piloting your own plane. Sure. I decided that I wanted to be a pilot for a few reasons. Before I get into that, I will say it was the best decision that I have made in my life for myself. And it's benefited others as well, family and friends. Mm -hmm. But I majored in broadcast journalism. I always knew that I wanted to be either a news reporter or a television host of some kind. When I decided that I wanted to make that career in travel journalism, I looked on all the shows that I grew up watching, you know, on Nat Geo, on Travel Channel, on Discovery, 
and seeing all these amazing hosts having these adventures that just seemed beyond what I could imagine. But one thing that I noticed is that everyone was going really far to get to these places. And that mode of transportation was more than likely an airplane. And so I remember sitting at Burbank Airport one day and I saw landing between Delta and United and Southwest was this man in this small one two-seater airplane or four-seater now that I know exactly what aircraft it was. And he was landing in between them. And I was like, what in the world is going on? We're at a huge airport and this small plane is landing. Who is this guy? So I Google at the gate, one man, small aircraft and general aviation came up. And I had no idea that you could be a pilot without being in the military prior to. And so I said, ah, that's the thing. I had already gotten my scuba diving certification. I already have a lot of outdoors experience. And I wanted to be a host, but I didn't see any hosts taking themselves to their own destination. So I said, that will separate me from the masses if I become a pilot to take myself on my own adventures. And so that was really the start of me wanting to become a pilot, wanting to find a way to separate myself from all the aspiring travel hosts and bloggers and vloggers. And I always tell people, you have to find a path that is your own, that you can really build and be connected to in a way that also feeds into the brand that you're launching. And I'm an adventure travel journalist and there's no more or larger of an adventure than getting in an aircraft, turning it on, going down the runway and taking off to wherever you choose to go. The power that comes with that to this day, I cannot explain it. Even as I'm talking about it right now, I have chills over my body. I just got like a stomach flip because I'm like, <laughs> oh, because I haven't flown in a plane since February. Yes. So it's actually kind of like thinking of that just anticipation of taking off and going somewhere. And the fact that you as a woman, as a black woman, mm-hmm. the fact that you are such a power and a force in our industry, um, just the idea of you flying your own plane is just brilliant to me. Thank you. I will say there's a connection when I'm in the air that I can't explain. And I, for those who don't know, I am afraid of heights, right? And so they're like, how is this possible when you're in an aircraft? I always say when you're flying in a plane, there's so many things going on, the mechanics of it all, right? But I fly at lower elevations. I'm not at 30,000 feet like you would be on a commercial aircraft. I can actually see the landscape, right? And so I'm seeing the mountains, the rivers, you know, the desert, I'm flying in clouds. That type of mental stimulation makes the fear of being that high in the sky subside. And so just to be able to see landscape, the landscape of the earth (laughs) and even the curvature of the earth or even a sunset is the most beautiful thing you can experience, especially if you're the reason why the aircraft is in the air. I know for those of us who fly commercially, And we have that, our window open for you window seat people like myself. And there's nothing like seeing that pink cotton candy sky while the sun is setting, you know, while you're flying somewhere. And I love to have that experience whenever I want without having to buy a ticket to do so. (laughs) For most of us, our passions develop as early as childhood. I talked to Kelly about her experiences traveling as a kid and how her upbringing influenced her love of adventure. I want to backtrack a little bit because we've talked, we've been friends for a long time and 
we've talked a little bit about some of your early travel memories as a child. There, obviously, that memory of driving and getting across country, but also living in California and what that was like, and then really just mm-hmm. getting that travel bug as a young girl. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So when my mom married my stepfather who is my my dad. I just say I have two dads. I don't like to do the step thing, but just for clarification, my dad loves the great outdoors. He was a surfer. He had a motorcycle. He truly introduced me to the great outdoors. My father's a truck driver by trade. My mom's a housewife. I didn't grow up with a lot of money we couldn't get on, you know, airplanes. That wasn't our method of transportation. My dad loves to drive. And so we would take a lot of road trips. So we did road trips. We would go camping. My dad was the first person I had ever seen swimming in ocean. You know, coming from Chicago, we call the lake the ocean or the beach. No, no, no. A beach in an ocean is on the West and East Coast of the United States. Anything in between is not an ocean. So so to see my father walk out from the sand and swim out and like literally disappear from my eyesight and then emerge down the current and pop up. I mean, this guy was like Superman to me. And I, I stood on that beach and I looked at my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, he just swam forever in the ocean. And so just being able to go camping, to go take road trips, to go to the ocean, to take hikes in the woods, that really connected me to the great outdoors at a very young age in a way that I didn't do when I was in Chicago. And to this day, my parents are still on the road. You know, they love having their RV. They just bought a new 2020 and I cannot find my parents 90% of the time. (laughs) they don't have phone service my mom's like sending me these pictures of her hiking in the middle of nowhere she's taking pictures by all the state signs and they're just living their life and so they gave me what they could in travel which was the road trips and the hiking and the camping and I just took that and amplified it throughout the world in my travels and if you ever see my parents my mom will let you know that she's my mother (laughs) as they all do (laughs) (laughs) they must be so proud I I think what's really fascinating is that the dream of travel it can start small right it doesn't have to start Mm -hmm. with these far-flung trips and again speaking to the times I think that's really important to reiterate to people that sometimes a simple road trip is just enough to spark this amazing amount of wanderlust in a young child. Both Jacqueline and I are huge travel enthusiasts and every passion has an origin. We'll talk more about where our love for exploration started right after the break. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, 
their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. The thing that's really amazing about you is just, you know, your presence, your passion for our industry. You are an incredible role model for young women. Thank you. What advice would you give to anyone who was setting out on a new adventure, contemplating something outside their comfort zone? Because I think, too, a lot of people, again, regardless of the times, a lot of people just are nervous about adventure travel. You know, it's always been something that I think in the past few years, it's gotten more popular, but it's always been a little bit on the fringe, right? No, absolutely. I think, you know, when people think of adventure, they equate that to wild and unpredictable. Right, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, while that is true, adventure can simply be something that you just have not experienced yet, right? And so I feel like, there are soft adventures. There are hard adventures. I do more hardcore adventures, but I feel like if you're curious about connecting with the great outdoors in any way, do you have to summit Mount Everest? No, but you can absolutely take a hike or go on a trail somewhere near in your town or the next city over. If you're curious about kayaking or paddle boarding and you don't know how to swim, Start with the adventure of taking a swim lesson. Right. And so for me, I tell people that it's okay to start small within your comfort level and then push past that comfort level, right? Because that's when you truly learn who you are. I tell people all the time, I think people put me on this like pedestal that I'm like this superwoman. And I say, absolutely not. You know, I get up the same way, just like you put two feet on the ground and seize my day. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of the ocean and I'm an advanced open water scuba diver. I'm afraid of heights still to this day. I can tell you there's times when I travel alone and I get off a plane and I exit the airport and it still hits me. Holy smokes, Kelly, you are across the world and you're by yourself. I do everything scared, right? And so I tell people the adventure is what lets me know that I'm still standing and that I've experience all these things that are not within my comfort zone. And so it's really that simple to me. Everything you want is on the other side of fear, right? And I think if more people challenge themselves to experience adventure travel, if they're genuinely interested, you'll learn what you're truly capable of and you'll go do it again. And if it's something that doesn't resonate with you, you don't have to, right? Right. Find the things that you're passionate about. Find the things that you're curious about. And see where that leads you. And for me, it's led me on the most amazing experiences around the world. In addition to being a podcast host, a pilot, and all-around adventurer, Kelly hosted the Travel Channel show, Mysterious Islands, where she seeks out the most remote islands on Earth, hoping to uncover the secrets they hold. She talked to me about the road to securing her own TV show and how it took years for her dream to come to reality. Well, I want to talk a little bit about 
mysterious island. So sure. you are the first African-American woman to host a TV show um, on the Travel Channel, which is incredible. Yes. You are also the second woman ever to have a program on the network. Yes. And, you know, again, you are a role model. I think, you know, you've said in the past, it's important to be tenacious. So describe to me that feeling of getting that show when you got that call. It must have been amazing yes. to have that, to have somebody say, you're going to be on the Travel Channel. And then what has been the process of filming and being on the road? I mean, it's, it must have been incredible. Wow. So I want people to first know that because I know a lot of people have goals of being, you know, on network television with a show. It is a very long road, right? Yeah. It doesn't happen like in a day. I, yeah, no. <laughs> it's not overnight. No. At all. I first met with Travel Channel, I believe it was in 2013. And I had a three minute pitch meeting with the executives there. I was done in a minute and a half. And when I was done, they said, wow, we have never seen anyone like you, period, or on our network. And so I just knew I was going to walk out of there with a TV show. It didn't happen like that. It took me two deals and another four, three to four years before I would meet with them again for my show to get on air. And in between that first meeting in 2013 to 2017, when Mysterious Islands first aired, I went and worked in hard news. I was a travel expert on Fox 5 News in Fox 5 San Diego. I would drive from L.A. to San Diego. Right. So I want people to know that part of the journey that when I thought I was going to have a show and got a deal and it didn't happen, I went back to my roots, which is staying current on travel and adventure and getting that experience on television, especially live television. There's nothing like live television. No, there's nothing like that <laughs> at all, at all. Anything can happen, right? Anything can happen. You are so right. But when I got that call, it came because I started getting a lot of press, right? Press about being a young black woman, literally who is flying a plane, flying herself to destination. She's diving. She's summoning mountains. She's traveling alone. And that was a part of my plan. I always tell people, be so good that they cannot ignore you, right? I created a niche in a lane that even to this day, no one is still, you know, in there as an adventure travel journalist by land, air, and sea. When I got the call that I was going to be on the Travel Channel for Mysterious Islands, ironically, I was in an airport. I love it. I love it. I was in an airport. And when I say I was bawling, crying, people were like, are you okay? I was crying so hard. People might've thought someone passed, but it was like tears of joy. And when I started that journey, if I'm being completely honest, it was a very singular thought. It was very much tunnel vision, me on that network, right? And then the show was airing. And then the emails start coming in, the social media, the press, the feedback was, oh my gosh, you look like me. Oh my gosh, you're swimming. Oh my gosh, you, you fly an airplane. You're in these really remote places. I was connecting to people in a way that I could never prepare for. And the most beautiful thing for me was that I was connecting with Black people young women, older women. And just like my community as a whole, it was just, I had no idea. I didn't do this to be a role model, but it became that which comes 
with something that I'm still learning to navigate. But when you see two little black girls, sorry, mm-hmm. in front of their TV with your face on the screen, you realize that, that this was bigger than me. It was about it was about young women and little girls knowing that they could have these dreams too, that they could have these experiences too, because travel and adventure looks like a white older male with the chiseled jaw looking off the side of Everest, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I tell people all the time, adventure looks like this in the, this is me. It's me with my red lipstick on, with my French tip, with my outfits matching. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a very feminine, you know, womanly adventure traveler, but I'm still just as badass as the guy with the square jawline and all the gear, you know? And so I think the representation meant more than anything. And it still means that much. And that is the driving force for me now. It's no longer about, oh, I want a TV show. It's about being present for the presence that I did not have as a child when I turned on my television, when I opened up my laptop. That's what it's become about. And boy, it is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I thank you, by the way, for being emotional and vulnerable in these interviews. And also when you are interviewing people, you do such a beautiful job because you you allow people, and when you've interviewed people for Let's Go Together, which we'll get to and talk about that, you allow people to be vulnerable and share their stories. So, so thank you. I think the thing that is really amazing to me is that you're right. You're showing people that this can be done, that as a Black pilot, a female pilot, a scuba diver, a TV host, adventure travel, all travel is possible. And there are kids watching you. It's incredible. And they believe now that all of this is possible, that they have the world at their feet. I want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges you've faced on the road, because let's be honest, there have been challenges. And I think it's really important for our audience to hear that. One thing that we've actually talked about a couple times over the years, and I'm still stunned that this has happened, is that sometimes when you've been traveling You've and this makes me so angry and upset that people have mistaken you for being a prostitute. And I think that we need to talk about that because I think people need to hear it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because, and it's I don't even want to say interesting. It's very infuriating that in other parts of the world, if you are a black woman in this space that they equivalent you to a prostitute or a sex worker. And it's like, I'm looking over my shoulder, like, who are, who are they talking to? Oh, me? You're soliciting me? Holy smokes. Like, no way, buddy. You got the wrong situation right here. And And I know that I'm not the only one. I've had several friends who have experienced this throughout the world, associating Black women with prostitutes. That's not me. And especially when you as a black woman and as a black person, like I always say, and I'll just be completely blunt. I am an overachiever. Many people from my community, we have to do 
twice the work to get half the pay and half the attention. And I refuse for everything that I've put myself through, everything that I've risked, everything that I've been willing to learn, paying for my own college, aviation, working multiple jobs for you to sum me up to that. Absolutely freaking not. And so, of course, that person doesn't know that they're looking at a highly educated, experienced, cultured, well-traveled Black woman. They look at my appearance and my presence in that place and think that that's what I have to offer. And I'm here to say, I have way more to offer than that. So you've visited over 50 countries, personal trips, work trips, everything. You've been diving, flying, the far reaches of the Amazon. You've, I mean, you've done, you've done a lot. Is there one destination that you would say has changed you in, in a way that was surprising? Yes, actually. When I went to the Sapelo Island, the Gullah Geechee Islands, which are, for those who don't know, right outside of Georgia and South Carolina. These are the islands where you can still find seventh and eighth generation descendants of the slaves who first came to America. As a Black woman, I don't know too much of my history as far as lineage, you know, where I come from beyond, you know, Mississippi from the great migration of my family to Chicago. But when I went to Sapelo Island and I spoke with, like I said, seventh and eighth generation descendants of slaves who knew exactly where they came from, their homeland, their tribe, speak the language still, I was not only envious, but it made me want to learn more about my culture beyond what has been told to me in the history books because the history books are missing so many, many things about the cultures that are here and specifically about my community who built this country. And that's just the truth. And so Sapelo Island changed me to want to be a better journalist, to want to be a better researcher, and to really dive deep into my heritage. So yes, that place changed me. Before you go to a a new place, is there a routine that you have in terms of research? Just thinking of, of what you just shared, is there a routine that you have in terms of research? Do you always hire a local guide? Do you say, okay, I'm going to try new foods just because I have to. What's sort of your process for discovering a place? So I am kind of like a renegade. I like to just show up and just experience what the place has to offer. I feel like itineraries are great. Information is great to have prior to, but then people get stuck trying to do a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They try to like check off all these boxes to make sure that they ate this plate at this restaurant that was recommended by this person and do this activity when you can just have a conversation with a local and they tell you about all this incredible stuff that you would not know because it's not on Google, it's not in a guidebook. And so I love that adventure part of it. I like the unpredictability of going to a place and learning about it through firsthand experiences. So while I think it's important to 
know the dress codes of areas, you know, specifically when it's like religious related, like, please respect the culture. I'll check the weather. I'll check, like I said, religious sanctions just so that I can be respectable. And I'll check the the crime rate. Other than that, let's see what it has for me. (laughs) I think that is a brilliant way to approach travel. I approach travel that way myself. There's a certain amount of research I do just, just to get my bearings, just like you. But I also feel like so much of our lives have become quite scripted and we're afraid of doing the wrong thing. It's like, Everybody says that this place is great on Instagram, so therefore I must go. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on social media. You're brilliant at it. But I think we're reaching this moment of sometimes we need a break from social. Do you feel this pressure to share everything on social? And if so, are there little pieces that you hold back for yourself? So Jackie, when I say that people have seen maybe a tenth of my life and my experiences in travel. I have so many videos, pictures, content that probably won't ever see the light of day socially because they are for me, you know? And I feel like social media is a great way to learn and see and experience different things or learn about them. But I think it's even better to go to a place and be okay with just having that connection in that moment for yourself. And so when I scroll my pictures, yeah, I can put up I could put up 15 pictures a day and people would be in awe. But do I need to? No. I would rather show my friends and my family, you know, who can't necessarily go that experience. I think that it could be better when it's more intimate. And so I believe in taking social media breaks. There's no problem with that whatsoever. And I think more people should do it. There's an addiction that comes with social media. People trying to get the perfect shot, not realizing that you had to take a hundred pictures just to get that one. And who wants to do that? You know, I find myself, you know, I've been guilty of it at times. Like, no, that's not the shot. That's not the shot. And then you go back through your pictures and it was a whole other one that was so much better. And it's like that pressure is just not necessary. Travel should not be about pressure. Travel should be about immersing yourself in the culture and the traditions that are unlike your own. And that's what it should be about. Before the Let's Go Together podcast took a break, the show featured 20 guests over the course of 12 episodes with various backgrounds facing various challenges, all with one thing in common, a love for travel. I wanted to know the biggest lesson Kelly has learned so far while hosting the podcast. What have you learned from the guests of Let's Go Together? Oh my gosh. I have to say I've never been so fascinated as a journalist in my life. (laughs) And that's saying something because I've had some pretty unique experiences. I knew that my experience as a woman, as a Black woman, was unique in the world of travel. I could not have imagined how many more experiences that were out there, like I've learned on Let's Go Together, things that I wouldn't even necessarily think about, but would see and not necessarily connect that they're going through something 
to get to where they're going. For example, yes, have I sat next to plus size travelers and saw that there was discomfort? And I'm the type of person, especially like on a Southwest airplane where you seat yourself, I would sit next to a plus size person and not and raise my arm up and say, you know, what, it's totally fine because that's just my personality. Right. And have people be like, thank you so much. Or literally have a person say, I'm so glad that you're small and you're sitting here. And so I've connected with people in that way. But I'm not thinking that they're bungee jumping and doing all these things like Jeffrey Jenkins is doing from Chubby Diaries. You know, that part just eluded me if I'm being honest and I it made me so happy that adventure also does not have a size right it doesn't have to be in you know the tip-top shape or you know a certain stature or physicality if you want to experience something you can still find a way to do that so you know learning that from Jeff just really made me smile especially since I'm an adventure traveler I love following Jeff on Instagram yes. because he just has such a passion yeah and um, he's just so full of life and heart yes. and he's been on a road trip lately. So I've been following him and Julian Dean Absolutely. Who interviewed as well, the Couchés, And I think, you know, their story was really remarkable. Mm-hmm. I, I also loved hearing from Jesse Belauer yes. who was able to climb Machu Picchu. I mean, talk to me about that. Yeah. I have been to Machu Picchu twice. And let me tell you, as a person with who's a former track athlete and still have my track legs, walking around Machu Picchu can be exhausting if you're there all day. Going on the Inca Trail to get there is exhausting. So to think about traversing that landscape in a wheelchair I, I've never seen anyone in a wheelchair at Machu Picchu both times I was there. I didn't think it was a place that was accessible. And the fact that he partnered with, I believe it's Wills of the World, to be able to have that experience was so amazing to me because there are a lot of places that can't be accessed for people with disabilities. And I'm just running around doing everything. And so to see that people have these hurdles to have similar experiences like myself yet still overcome them was amazing to me. But I think the episode that really, really, really had a profound effect on me was the one with Doug Ledden because we don't talk about mental health enough in this country. And as a person who has people who are really close to me who have battled with mental illness or depression it was really eye-opening to me that what people are going through to get on that airplane to go somewhere. It's already stressful enough to get to an airport on time, check your bag and get to the gate, right? But imagine dealing with depression or mental health issues where the stress that we have, is my bag going to be overweight? Am I going to have to pay for this? Is there going to be room in the overhead bin? I never thought about all that being exponentially crazier without talking to Doug, you know, and just being, I use travel as therapeutic. It's healing to me, right? That isn't always the case with a person who's traveling with depression. Like, can you imagine being somewhere and going through these feelings in a foreign place? I couldn't. And so Let's Go Together has opened my eyes and my thought process to realizing that travel is very, very, very much individualistic, right? We talk about the community and travel and connecting with others, but 
you literally have to connect with yourself, whatever you're going through to choose to see this world. And the way that our guests have done that, even when I think about Miss Shar being, you know, a widow who traveled with her husband for over 20 years, now your travel partner's gone and you make the decision to still go see the world. Like, that's beautiful to me. You know, I have parents that are together and, you know, one day one will pass. And I hope that the other parents still gets in the car and takes those road trips. And these were things that I weren't thinking about before. And so I am a very transparent person. I'm very emotional and I appreciate the guests on Let's Go Together doing the same thing because this is a platform for people to find connection with others who may be going through the same thing. And that's the feedback that I get from listeners is that, oh my gosh, like I connected with Jesse or, you know, Miss Shard. My friend's mom was like, can you send me the episode on the older single women who are traveling? Because I want to do that, you know, and I need some encouragement. And so people listening to Let's Go Together, knowing that they can still see the world because they had the representation and they know that that other person exists doing it. You can't write that article in a magazine. You know, you can't Google that. It's hearing it, the firsthand experience of hearing it through their headphones or their computer, which makes it really, really relatable. And I'm very proud of it. When this is all over, and I'm speaking about the pandemic because, you know, pandemics do end. It seems hard to imagine or fathom that right now, but they do. How do you see travel changing? I see it changing in a a lot of ways. First, one thing that I'm noticing already is that we are looking at the world in a more sustainable way, right? I think that when you go to places, the way you connect with people will also be different. You'll have to respect a person's physical space. Like for me, it was nothing for me to go up to a shopkeeper and just start talking to them. And now, you know, I have to just be aware of, do they feel safe? Are they comfortable? And is it okay for me to just go up and talk to people, which makes me a little bit sad. However, I think, I think it's necessary. We were overcrowding so many places, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Coliseum. I'm hoping that people are okay with exploring more wide spread areas, more remote areas, and connecting to other things. Because we've had this time, this downtime now to really see what it is that moves us. And I want people to have that same type of thought process in travel. What else is out there beyond what's put in our face every day? And so, yes, travel will change in a lot of ways for the better. And I just hope that people are more respectable of the places they are going, the earth and taking care of it, and more so the people more than ever. So I know you recently traveled to Utah. What was that like? I was so jealous of of those pictures. Let me tell you, that's one, that's what I had major FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) So Jackie is not necessarily talking about Utah as a whole. She's talking about Amangiri. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So Amangiri is one of the most unique destinations and resorts that I've ever stayed in. It was like going to Mars, right? You are literally surrounded 
almost like in the middle of nowhere with mesas and caves and desert and jackrabbits with ears going past your kneecaps. The landscape was insane. Amangiri did an amazing job. The Amman Resorts did an amazing job with having where you're staying blend with the land. I mean, it was a place that I did not have to leave. I could have spent the rest of the year there. Not only because the food was amazing, but because of the adventures that were right outside of your door. Seeing the sunset and the sunrise on my patio was phenomenal. Even the way they built the pool around a large rock structure. This was a place where they didn't just put stuff there, right? They made sure that the land that they were on was respected. And it was a place where the hotel and the the land became one. It was amazing. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Sounds pretty great to me. It was amazing. We're we're sort of grounded now, let's be honest. I mean, look, I've traveled a little bit, you've traveled a little bit, but I think international travel is going to be you know, tough for a little bit. But let's hope in the near future we'll be able to, to go abroad. What would be the first place you would break out the passport for? <laughs> it's not going to be a place that many people would want to try to go. And I have a huge desire to go down to Antarctica. Yeah. Huge. Me too. I I get it. And so, you know, if that was possible, that would be one. But even more so than that, I would love to spend more time on the continent of Africa. I just can't think of another place that has so much to offer. So many different regions, different tribes, cultures, experiences, incredible outdoor adventures. I'm looking forward to possibly going to Botswana to do a safari. I have to experience seeing the big five. That's something that I've yet to do. So if there's a way for me to do a safari on the continent, I'll be there. In three words, how does being a traveler make you feel? Hmm. An unpredictable adventure. Like that's my life. Travel is my life and it's literally it's unpredictable for me and I love that that's the excitement for me so it makes me feel like it's an unpredictable adventure thanks so much to Kelly for letting me swap places with her I'm so excited for the newest episodes of let's go together and believe me the best is yet to come that's all for this episode of let's go together a podcast by travel leisure I'm Jackie Gifford Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Jamila Zaral Williams, Lena Beck Sillison, and thank you to our digital executive editor, Deanne Kazerski at Travel and Leisure. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me, your host, Kelly, at Kelly Set Go. And that's Kelly with three E's.